Hello and welcome to the Cambridge Vineyard on this uh, lovely, bright, sunny Sunday morning. Our guest speaker today is Jen Snell from the Amazon. No, she's from Cambridge. A uh, lot's been said about Jen, most of which I won't repeat today. Uh, I've known Jen for a while now. I think we first met in Cambridge a few years ago. Uh, back in the 1990s, uh, I'm, I'm late to the faith, Christianity, this whole Christian thing. I think I started in when I was about 35. At that time, Jen was in Africa chasing monkeys and Englishmen. Well, that sounds awful. No, the Englishman was chasing her, but it was all, it was all very holy. It was all good. And my wife and I came to faith in a big way. My wife sort of reinvigorated her faith. So we started talking out loud about Jesus, and Jen was understandably freaked out by it. And she was like, what is happening to these people? So then she eventually moved back to Canada, and we were like, Jen? Jesus. Jesus? Jen. And, and then we stepped back, and it's been... It's been amazing watching the transformation in her life. Not that she was a bad person beforehand, maybe a little, but the transformation's been amazing. She's, she's, her and her husband, Phil, and their kids have really stepped into taking this whole thing really seriously, and they're now busy transforming lives. She's known to be a gifted speaker and has a huge heart for Jesus, so it should be a treat listening to what she has to say today. And thank you for almost making me cry before I even started. (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I'm really grateful to be standing here today on this side of the camera. We have been enjoying watching services in our living room at home in Brazil. As most of you have passed through the pandemic feeling really isolated, the actual opposite has happened to Phil and I. We felt actually more connected because of technology. So I'm really grateful to be here to talk to you today about joy. Joy is a word that gets tossed around a lot this time of year. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But I think it also can cause a bit of a pressure on us to feel a certain way, to feel happier, to feel more joyful. And that's not always easy, uh, especially when life is not maybe going the way, you know, you want it to or the way you would hope. Like, how can I feel joy when the world just seems like it's a mess right now? How can I feel that? Um, And the last two years, obviously, have been really tough for a lot of people. Uh, There's been job losses. There's been loss of loved ones. A lot of people have been sick. So that's made it really challenging. But is joy a feeling? So I'm going to leave that there, and I'll come back to it. We've all been faced with difficult circumstances in our lives. We all have times that we go through that are challenging. um, And these two years have not been any exception to that. And those circumstances, they don't seem to bring happiness or joy to us. Okay, so in James 1-2, just the first part of it says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials. Wait, what? (laughs) Back up, let me just say that again. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials. So, how can trials and joy be in the same sentence? Seems a bit of a struggle. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit of my trials and my struggles that I have faced in my life before Jesus and after Jesus. I like to say BC <laughs> and AJ. As many of you know, and some of you may not know, uh, my mother passed away when I was 18, and I was not saved at that time. I wasn't walking with Jesus. I was 
doing my own thing. And that event in my life opened up a pretty bottomless pit of despair and sadness. Um, And it wasn't one that I could see the end to, really. I spent many years trying to fill that place with other things that really only brought me more pain and more sadness and difficulties. I tried to fill it with everything, really. You name it. But nothing was really going to take away that pain or that ache that was in there. I didn't have joy (laughs) in the early days after her death. And if I even felt happiness, I actually, that was followed by guilt. Because how can I be happy when my mom died? And anyone who's lost someone knows, knows that feeling. So let's flash forward 22 years. My family was preparing to move to Brazil to be missionaries full-time. There's a whole other story in between in those 22 years that I'm not going to get into today. Uh, But as we were preparing, on Canada Day weekend, uh, we got the devastating news that my stepbrother, who was 49 at the time, passed away suddenly of a heart attack while he was camping with his kids. And it rocked our family, obviously. Two months later, we moved our family to Brazil, and I called home to check in with my dad to let him know that we had settled in. And my dad had been experiencing a lot of back pain uh, since we traveled for the funeral of my stepbrother, actually. He'd had a fall, and they thought he'd cracked a vertebrae and that it was just taking some time to heal. But on that phone call, two weeks into our new life in Brazil, my dad dropped the C word, said they were thinking that he might have cancer. So that was not fun news. (laughs) A month after our arrival in Brazil, my nephew, who was 27 at the time, was admitted to the hospital because he had some numbness in his legs. It was discovered that he had uh, blood clots, and the reason for those blood clots was a congenital heart defect that we didn't know he had. And not long after that, in the middle of the night, which is why I keep my phone on silent now, uh, (laughs) I got a video phone call from my sister uh, telling me that he had passed away. A blood clot had traveled to his heart, and his heart was too weak to withstand any kind of resuscitative efforts. He left behind a wife and a one-year-old son. Two months after the death of my nephew, I got another email saying that one of my very, very dearest friends, Rob, who had been my uh, roommate for a few years, was found in the lobby of his apartment building with no signs of life at 42. And um, he was a paramedic with Orange. They're the helicopter paramedics. And so his team of people gathered around, and they did manage to bring him back, but he never regained consciousness. And uh, three days later, he was taken off life support, and he passed away. So going back to my dad, more testing was done. And in March of our first year in Brazil, we found out that my dad had terminal cancer. So we found ourselves on a plane six months after arriving in Brazil, (laughs) coming back to Canada with nowhere to live, no car to drive, we had left our lives behind. So you could say it was a little bit of a dark time. Um, And eight months after he was diagnosed, he took his last breath with all of his children at his side. Now, it's all very sad. It's going to get better, I promise. During that time, I was acutely aware that there was something very different about the way I was processing my grief. There was a huge difference between the way I processed it when my mother passed away and walking through all of these traumatic incidents in my life. In spite of my suffering and deep sadness, I was not in a pit of despair. My sadness was not endless. 
it was like there was a, the bottomless pit was down there somewhere, but it just wouldn't go that deep. It was not a happy time in my life, obviously, but there was joy. So how? How could there possibly be joy when it felt like everything was falling apart? The difference, of course, was the knowledge and understanding that there was something beyond all of this earthly suffering. There's an eternal promise that even when I can't see it, God is good. That he has a plan. That when everything here looks like a big mess to me, he's actually creating something really beautiful. There's an image that uh, someone has explained before that, you know, when you look at a tapestry, on the back side of the tapestry is just a jumble of strings, and it just looks like a complete and utter mess. But on the other side is this amazing, beautiful picture. And I believe that that is what we get to understand when we have Jesus in our lives. And there were moments when I saw God working. He provided for us. He provided a place for us to live. He provided a car for us. He provided, you know, winter clothes because we were coming back and it was still cold. He also, he wove together our, our family in a way that was only of God. We had seen other families torn apart by things like this. But he was able to knit us together and bring us even closer to each other. And I can't look at my sister right now because I'm crying. (laughs) So, in preparing for today, I was kind of coming up with, okay, so how can you explain the difference between the words happiness and joy? Because we use them kind of interchangeably, but I think biblically there is a different meaning to the word joy. This is my definition. This is not Webster's. So take it (laughs) as you will. This is what I came up with. Happiness is a fleeting feeling dependent on external circumstances. Joy is an internal state of being dependent on eternal truths. So I'll say that again. Happiness is a fleeting feeling dependent on external circumstances. When it's warm and sunny, I'm happy. When it's cold and dark, I'm sad. Joy is an internal state of being dependent on eternal truths. Happiness comes and goes. Joy is something that remains in us. Matthew 2.10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The joy didn't come from external circumstances so much as it came from the fulfillment of an eternal promise, an eternal truth, a long-awaited Messiah who would bring peace, hope, joy, and love had finally come to the world in the form of a tiny baby. So the full verse in James goes like this. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When we are tested, we have a choice. We can try and take control which we like to do. We can try and figure it all out, right? I'm guilty of that sometimes. Or we can make a choice to trust that God has got the situation under control, that even though we can't see it, even though everything looks like a mess, he is going to bring amazing, beautiful things out of a horrible situation. So who do we trust when everything around us is falling apart? Trials are an opportunity to look for God. They're an opportunity to look to see where he is working, to remember his promises, and to see growth in our own faith, to choose joy. Because when we do that, next time trials come, 
we get to know that God's got it. And we get to know it from experience. Even though I wasn't saved when my mother passed away, I still can look back now and see everything that he has woven together out of that very painful situation. The relationship I have with my sister. Her and I are 10 years apart. I know it doesn't look good because she looks so young. But, you know, we grew up separately. She got married. She left the house when I was nine. She got married when I was 12. But the death of our mother knit us together completely. There's many, many things. I don't believe that I maybe would have come to Christ if, if it weren't for that incredibly tragic moment in my life. Happiness happens to us. Joy is a choice. Choosing joy means that we're choosing to remember who God is that we don't need to figure out the big picture, that we can rest in his embrace. And the good news is that when we face those trials with a kingdom mindset, not only are we able to see God at work, but he's given us the gift of endurance. And that endurance is that when we're in the middle of another trial, we know it's going to be okay. We know we're going to be all right. Jesus promised us that there would be trouble in this life. He didn't promise us it would be a cakewalk. Um, But the only way that we can see that gift is that if we humble ourselves, And if we give it over to God, if we say, I can't carry all of this, that's the only way that we're going to actually get that gift that he wants to give us. The morning my father passed away, we were driving with my stepmom back to the hospice, and um, I felt like God gave me this picture, and I wrote this down so that I wouldn't forget it. Um, A warm orange glow spread over the crisp morning frost, and wisps of clouds spiraled up from the rising sun like tendrils of steam on a hot cup of coffee, reaching higher towards the heavens. A peace filled my inner parts where sorrow threatened to take up residence, and I knew that you were there with him, the great I am. The glow of the celestial city illuminated your face, no longer hollowed from the illness that took you, but full, soft, and youthful. A smile spread across your face as you embraced the joy and love that filled you, and you spread your arms wide as you ran into your eternity. So I just want to read the one line from that again. A peace filled my inner parts where sorrow threatened to take up residence, and I knew that you were there with him, the great I am. There's something about the four words that we're looking at over Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and love. They're interconnected. And I could probably, I can put that word, one of those words, in that same place where I put peace, and it would still say the same thing. A joy filled my inner parts where sorrow threatened to take up residence. A love filled my heart where sorrow threatened to take up residence. In that place in my heart where darkness and despair and hopelessness had lived before Jesus, now that was the place where peace, hope, Joy and love took up residence. And when those things take up residence in our hearts, there isn't room for deep sorrow and despair and hopelessness to take up residence and grow like a cancer. Joy, peace, hope, and love are the things that push the darkness out because they are light, because that's who he is, and that is our joy. He is the source of our joy in the midst of trials. He is our truth in the midst of the hard times in our life. So if you're passing through a difficult time in your life right now, 
and you already follow Jesus, then I would challenge you to spend some time with him and give those trials over to him, to surrender all of it to him, because he wants to carry you. He wants to help you. But we do have to humble ourselves in order to do that and recognize who he is. And if you're not following Jesus at this moment in your life, then no greater time like now. (laughs) But he is a very, he's a humble king. He is not going to bust down your door. He's not going to force his way in. We need to invite him. And um, if you're at home today and uh, you're feeling something, this is speaking to you in some way, then there's probably a reason. And all you have to say is, yes, I'm ready. I want to know what your joy looks like, Jesus. I want to know what it looks like to be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil and feel joy. So, Lord, I just pray right now that you would speak to those hearts that are struggling today, that you would fill up those those dark places with your light, with your hope, your peace, your joy, and your love that they would be able to know the eternal truths, that they would be able to know the good news of who you are and how you can transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.